Thanks so much, Rosie. And evening, everyone. What a glorious sunny day it has been today. Isn't it been absolutely beautiful? Hope you've enjoyed the football. We got a win. Yes, come on. Um, I, and for those who were around last week, just just put your hand if you're last week at the, the baptism. So there's quite a few in the room. Weren't they insanely good? Just so inspiring. And um, I had a few more uh, this Wednesday, actually, in our uh, Wednesday service. Uh, just some wonderful stories of Jesus changing people's lives. And um, there's this one lady who get interviewed. Absolutely wonderful, beautiful lady. Jesus utterly changed her life. She said, he took some convincing, but he got me. And um, she just give, given, um, I suppose, a bit of her journey and was, was asked a question, I think in an attempt to kind of cover quite a colorful past. But um, so at home did she feel with the whole story, all the detail just kind of getting, getting gushing forth. It's so precious just to be kind of in the vulnerability of that. Uh, another guy who was, was getting baptized, for some reason, it wasn't quite happening going forward. The water wasn't quite getting over his head. And we got Gus on it. Where's Gus? He's up here. He will get you baptized properly. So we got this guy done back, baptized. Glory to God. It was just it's so inspiring to, to see these, these lives being changed by Jesus. And every time I see that, I, I think about our vision statement. It says that we're here to build a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel and replicates what we do across the UK. And um, tonight is, has been referred to, I wanna speak into particularly the first um, two elements of that vision, building a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel. And to talk about why I believe that that is worthy of our whole lives. And um, so I'm gonna turn into, into the Bible. So if you've got a Bible or a phone, then uh, do turn me to Jeremiah chapter 29. It's gonna come up on the screen. And if not, or uh, if, if you're new to the Bible, and wondering who or what on earth is Jeremiah, essentially he was a, um, a messenger from God who um, sent a message to, to the people of God in a time where they were um, away from their homeland. So they were in a place called Babylon. They were in exile there. The, the nation had been very unfaithful to God. And so God had handed them over um, as their sort of actions had so desired to um, the superpowers and the worldly ways of their day. And actually they'd ended up being kind of moved um, into this, this place, Babylon. And um, here's what we find that this, this guy is giving the message from God um, is saying in verse four, there we go we're on the screen. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles. So everyone's included, and they're in exile. And I just want to stop there by just pointing out that um, being in exile, being in a different place than you um, are going to be in the long term, is actually a place that all of us find ourselves in. We are, God has called us to be a church planting people. He's asked us, as the third part of our vision says, to replicate what we do across the UK. He's asked us to start communities that look a little bit like this one in all sorts of different places around the UK and one day even beyond, I'm sure. And some of us in the room, I'm sure, will feel called by God that one day we will be going. That, that here is not where we will be one day. But actually, it's true for all of us. Because one day, all of us will be somewhere that looks very different as we're on the new earth, as the new heavens comes down to join as the dwelling place of God forever. And actually, this, this earth, as we know it, will look very, very different. So whether in this life or in eternal life to come, all of us in some sense are exiles. And yet in another sense, actually, we're no longer exiles because we've been brought home. That actually Jesus has uh, fulfilled that longing for meaning and significance and purpose in our lives. He, through his finished work on the cross, dying for our sins, that they can be washed away, rise again, again to new life, so that we can be new people, he has brought us home. So essentially, 
This is to everyone, to all the exiles, verse 4, whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. That's where they are. Here's what he commands them. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Now, social customs of the day uh, might be a bit different from our day to day. We don't operate in uh, quite such uh, direct terms, I suppose. Um, but what it's saying is settle down. I settled down into this place that God has put you, knowing that one day things will look very different. Settle down into this place where God has you to fulfill his purposes. Verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For in seeking the welfare of the city where God has placed us, we find our own welfare. This word welfare is a, a Hebrew word that, uh, I suppose if you've been around Christian circles for any length of time, you, you might have come across it. It's the Hebrew word shalom. It, it, I suppose, commonly gets translated peace. But it's not just kind of peace in terms of sort of like a, a, a kind of uh, being a, a quiet time. It's, it's meaning wholeness. It's meaning well-being. It's meaning every aspect of your life, being in a right and proper place, because ultimately the peace that is given by God. And so his promise here to these people living in this city for, for a time is that as they seek the welfare, the well-being, the wholeness of the city that they're in, they also find their own well-being, their own wholeness, their own peace. It's this beautiful dynamic that Jesus has given us that he's given us this precious gospel, this good news that Jesus changes lives, saves lives, is the hope for every person that as we go with the gospel, the gospel bears fruit in us. That as we seek to renew the city, we ourselves are renewed. As we seek to bring God's restoration to the places and the people that we live and we see, God's restoration comes to us. Now, let me just jump over in, into the New Testament. This is uh, Matthew chapter 28. This is right at the end of one of the accounts of Jesus' life. Jesus has just risen from the dead. And here's the message that he leaves his disciples with. It says, uh, verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, Jesus has sent us on a mission. Life with Jesus is meant to be an adventure. It's not a set of rules. It's not just some things to do. It's an adventure of discovering and living out the purposes of God in our lives, in our life corporately. It's about doing the things that he's put in front of us. It's about going on an adventure. It's fun. It's exciting. It's challenging. It gives us loads of opportunities to love one another really well through all the difficulties we encounter. It's an absolute storm because it's what we were made to do. Follow him. And as we go after all that he's called us to do, we find that actually the gospel bears fruit 
in us. And one of the things that he does to fulfill this great mission to spread his name all across the world, including in this city and the places that we are, is that he gives us of himself. He gives us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling within us, empowering us, producing the fruit of Christ-like living in our lives. And one of the things that he, the Holy Spirit, helps us to do is to fulfill commands, just like we've seen in Jeremiah 29, to seek the welfare of the city. And when we see these kind of commands in Scripture, we have to look at it through the finished work of Jesus. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen on high. Jesus has ascended. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to live for him. And we are spirit-filled people living out this commands now. And so we, when we think about Nottingham, about the place God has put us, we have to do it knowing that we're a spirit-filled people, right? We have to do it knowing that we're an anointed people. We have to do it knowing that we're a people of purpose because he has put us here. None of us are in this place by accident. Even if you feel like your life was a, a series of decisions that I just ended up in Nottingham. He's the great sovereign king of heaven. There's no just ended up with him anywhere. Now, some of you will know that I'm not originally from this city. I'm from a place called Stoke-on-Trent. And um, I gather that from time to time when I speak uh, here on Sundays, there is a thing that takes place called preach bingo. And if I say Stoke-on-Trent, Stoke City Football Club, my wife Emma, or my kids Lizzie and Zachary, or Jesus, apparently that gives people bingo in the room. I'm looking at you, Tom Rollins. Is that right? Yes. Have you got bingo? Have you won, the, won you the prize? No, I'm, I'm not from here initially. I'm, I'm from Stoke. But I came here in, in 2004, uh, way back when, and um, was at uh, Uniov, uh, was in uh, Hugh Stew, and so um, got to kind of uh, be involved in the wonderful opportunities in student culture to, um, to, get, uh, to talk about Jesus and, and see people come to know him. And, and so I suppose with that, got to know some of the student areas, your, your Beeston and your, your Dunkirks of this world and um, but one of the things that I love was being part of Grace Church. I was in a home group somewhere in the city called Bullwell that I had literally no idea where it was. All I knew was that each week someone picked me up in a car and we drove and came to this huge roundabout with so many lanes that we went wrong so many times that it actually seemed like the right way. We'd be driving down, be like, oh, yeah, we've definitely gone the right way this time. Oh, no, it's the way we get lost every single week. And so we turn back and we eventually go there. And Bullwell was quite a, quite a, a poor working class estate, just met some wonderful, beautiful and um, very broken people there that the love of God was coming to by us being there just in a, in a small, tangible way. But the kingdom of God goes one person at a time. And one of the hilarious things about Bullwell was that in Nottingham, you don't pronounce it Bullwell. Um, you basically lose the L's from Bullwell. You pronounce it something like Bullwell. Is that, is that right, Carl? Yeah, Bullwell, Bullwell. There you go, you can try that one later. And there's a rumor that went round that they had to replace the posh lady on the tram who said the next stop is Bullwell because no one was getting off at the Bullwell stop. And like, That's not where I live, not Bullwell, you know? And so we were, we were kind of in this place, getting to know there, and so um, then did this kind of student thing, house in Lenton, and um, uh, was on Harlexton Drive. I don't know if any of you guys live in Lenton, but you know, Harlexton, top of the hill, top of the league, is what we used to say. But one of the things that I loved about that time was that in, through being part of Grace Church, 
we were actually starting to do some mission in the two places in Nottingham that I had been told you never go to those places. Uh, and they were Radford and St. Anne's. And now things have changed loads these days. I could give you at least 10 places that that is probably true of. Um, but we were doing an outreach in, in Radford. It was a, a youth outreach, it really kind of precious things happening there. Like, um, and some hilarious stories of some of the guys who were reaching out to you, like setting off fireworks into the room where, where we were at the time. God kept the team safe. And then this, this thing in St. Anne's, Radford's sort of northwest of the city. St. Anne's is just to the east of the city center. And um, we did this mission in St. Anne's uh, called Let's Go. I was utterly terrified because all I'd heard about it was just the reputation. And yet there's some wonderful and beautiful people um, in St. Anne's. And so in full of fear and trepidation, like we went knocking on these doors to invite people to Grace Church. And uh, one of the first few doors we, opt- we knocked on, this lady opened the door. She was an African lady and um, she, she spoke French. Now, I don't know what kind of, what, sort of training in how to share your faith you may or may not have, have had before if you'd call yourself a Christian. Um, but I bet my bottom dollar that it did not extend to multiple other languages. Now, I had GCSE French, but Oué Lagarde does not actually really get you that, that far. Neither does Le Pain est Bon. You know, is that, I, the best I could do is, Allez au Grace Church? And she just kind of looked confused. And, and we had to get someone who spoke French in. And she was absolutely delighted to be invited they are still in the church today. That was like 12 years ago. I mean, isn't that so incredible? And so we're doing mission in these areas, meeting people that are just wonderful and beautiful, and yet society would just label them in a certain way, discount them, and yet we're seeing lives changed by the gospel. And so moved within um, Redford, uh, Redford, uh, Lenton, I should say, a place called Derby Grove. Anyone live on Derby Grove? No, not yet. You've been saved from it. Um, I had a, a landlord there who said that double glazing was just a name. And what with global warming and all that, we didn't really need double glazing anyway, so we were fine. But it was at that moment that there came a key time in my life where I realized I want to stay in Nottingham. I've done my student thing. as kind of a, a year or so out of that. And I, I had plans to go to, to Birmingham and do like a teacher training thing. And I wanted to work for a church ultimately. And, um, but the dawning realization was that I cared tremendously about church. And I had a church that I really liked. And I had a church that knew me and had invested in me. And I had three or four years of getting to know people and opportunities to um, grow in discipleship and leadership. And I thought the church was going places. And I made a decision to, to say, right, I'm going to stay in Nottingham for the time being, and I'm going to invest my life. I'm not just going to be here, but I'm going to be in the city, in the community. And so I um, started doing um, the equivalent of the one thing year. It was called Year Team back then. And um, we started doing some outreach in, in Heisen Green, again, just uh, northwest um, of the city, just uh, of the inner city. Um, it's a very diverse area. Um, at that time, there were basically two communities. There was a Polish community and a Pakistani community there and met some wonderful people. And we were kind of knocking on all sorts of doors and we weren't really kind of getting very far. And so my mate and I decided we would go to the community center. That's where things happen. That's where we can sit down. That's where we can be in activities that go on there. And um, so we went into this place. Turns out they were serving lunch. Happy days. You know, glad to eat for the gospel. And um, in we went and we kind of sat down and, and looked around. And very separate from us was this area that seemed to be full of 
lots of, shall we say, people in the later stages of life. And what we realized that basically, this was not in fact a community center at all. It was in fact an old people's home that we'd just gone into for lunch. We didn't speak to a single person in that time. We had more success when we got invited into someone's home. That was as far as we'd, we'd made it up to that, that time. And they, they sat us down and they poured us this tea. I absolutely hated tea at the time. And um, they poured it to us and there you go. They didn't have a cup of tea. We just had the tea and I hated it. But what do you do? You just got to drink it, haven't you? And so kind of sipped it and sort of forced it down and um, thank you so much. And what do they do when you finished? Of course, they top it up again, you know, really like warm culture of hospitality. I like tea after that point. And do you know from some of these things, like we saw some people who would describe themselves as Muslims come into church and hear about the truth and the beauty of Jesus Christ. We saw some people that never would have um, connected in with any church actually come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We saw people who uh, were living in that area, who'd previously been in prison, come and be part of us, have lives um, put back together by Jesus, continue on given all sorts of opportunity, just proof that no set of circumstances is the end for Jesus. There's always a way through. He always provides a way out. And I was working at... Um, uh, at that time uh, for the city council, which I absolutely loved because they wanted to see the city changed as well. And I met this guy called Michael. He was a cleaner for the city council. He had quite a lot of bullying in his life, and, but he was a really fun guy and he just loved talking about football. So there I was. And um, I managed to um, invite him to church. Now, Michael had never been in a church environment before. And if you're new here tonight, maybe you might identify with him. It's so great to uh, have you here. But um, in, in this, um, this church service, a lot of the... Um, a lot of people in the church kind of had their hands high in the air, almost, you know, like they do at football grounds to, to sort of sing out. And so there were people sort of with, with both hands aloft, you know, just praising Jesus, you know, just enjoying his presence or whatever. And I was like, I wonder what Michael is making of this. So I looked over at Michael. He had, um, he had one arm high, praising Jesus. His hand, he was just texting on his phone, just kind of hanging out there, you know, as you do. And... Um, but he, um, he, he, he came to know Jesus. He made a profession of faith. And as we wanted to pray for him to be um, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about having a hunger to encounter God. And I distinctly remember um, just kind of being in a little circle and um, the person at the time just went, went around and picked Michael first and said, Michael, are you, are you thirsty? And he's meaning like, are you thirsty to be filled with God and meet with God? Michael just hears it as, Michael, are you thirsty? Yeah, no. And that was the wrong answer in that moment. That was not what was meant to happen, but it's just because we're talking Christianese rather than kind of normal language. And just incredible seeing Jesus put lives back together. At the same time, I started working um, uh, in, in the student work in, in the church. And it's there, God just gripped my heart for the 70,000 students at last count that are in our city with the universities in a time of life that is so productive for the gospel. It is one of the most uh, common times of life for people to become a Christian. And God can do anything with anyone, but, but statistically, once people are past kind of the point of, of studentdom, studentdom is just a massive opportunity for people to define who they are, what they're about, God's call on their lives, and, and then to kind of continue in that. But, but the, the stats will show that it's just an incredibly fruitful time of life. And if you're a student here today, I just want to say, make the most of these times that people are open to the gospel. People are open to hearing about the way that Jesus has changed your life. 
and it gripped me. 70,000 students, probably 99.9% of which didn't know Jesus. And we got to have some fun as well in you know, building community in that. We did a social um, where um, you had to come dressed as something beginning with G or C. So I came dressed as a clown, thought, you know, let's, let's go all out, did my own face paint. Didn't really go very well, but a little bit scarier than I'd intended. And, but the, the bigger thing was that we had a home group leaders meeting before this night out, and I was a home group leader at the time, so I didn't really know what to do. So basically thought, well, I'll, I'll just go to this home group leaders meeting dressed as a clown. Um, Rosie, have you ever had that with any of your home group leaders? Absolutely not. Some people didn't recognize me. Like, who is this clown, literally, that has come into the room? And, um, and we ended up going to some club or something. I got banned from one of the rooms at the club because there's someone there scared of clowns. Literally the only time that has ever happened to me in my life. But you see, following Jesus is fun. It's exciting. When we get involved in the areas that God has put us in, there's wonderful adventure to be had. We moved down into, uh, in, into the Meadows, which is just, in the, um, just south of the city centre, and so started to reach out there to, to some of the people. Again, it's, um, it's quite a, a broken area, um, wonderful people in there, but um, outreach kind of went one of, of two ways in there. There was the one time when I found myself in something that was quite quickly becoming a hot box, and I didn't really know what to do with that, so I got out of there very quickly, um, but, which is basically where um, drugs are smoked, doors are shut, and all of that kind of stuff. So I got, got out of that one. And, um, but but this, uh, at the other end of the spectrum was, was this lady that had been living in a car just down by the embankment, you know, where the sports grounds are in Nottingham, if you know Nottingham at all. And um, she'd been in a difficult situation um, in her own life, and we'd been befriending her, and so invited her to... Um, in her 40s or so, just um, t- to be back to her home. And if she wanted to have a shower or something, then she could do that. But what, what she wanted to do was she really wanted to cook for people. She'd really missed cooking for people. And, um, you know, it, it's like, well, if, if that's the way, if that's what you want, then of course you're welcome to come to our house and cook for us. You know, that would be an absolute joy. And she turned up with this, like, most delicious, wonderful, high-quality food, which for a group of lads who are eating off uh, smart-priced sausages and, you know, all of that kind of stuff was absolutely glorious, and we got to share Jesus with her. And you know, just as, we, as I began to, to, to kind of give myself to what God had put in front of me, not just to, to be here, but to really be here, to be intentional, to make decisions for the gospel, God just started to open up all these, these different opportunities. And um, I, I, I moved around a couple of other places. For sake of time, I'll, I'll kind of move on. But um, started to feel this, um, this kind of longing for um, the, some of the working class estates in, in the north of the city and to areas that the churches in Nottingham, by and large, aren't really reaching to in quite the same extent as, as some of the other areas in the city. And um, places like um, Bestwood, Top Valley, kind of might be just be names to, um, to some of you, but started to kind of feel like a, a tug on my heart of like as, as if God was dropping the name uh, of them in and, and you just had to do something about it. So um, began to explore what it would look like to um, just to get involved in those areas. I was very unlike lots of, pe- lots of the people in those areas, but went and did a summer working in a, a Bestwood Advice Center. It's like a citizen's advice equivalent. And just met so many people that were in poverty largely because they couldn't read. You know, it was in fuel poverty or benefits poverty or whatever it might be. Essentially, the forms and the system were the barrier because they couldn't read the paperwork. And, and that was why they couldn't put food on the table. Like, it was that simple. 
and just kind of got me sort of thinking about all these, these possibilities of how church could be good news in all of the areas um, in our city. And we got to know these, these two young lads, um, Chris and Jake, and they were, um, they were teenagers, late teens. They were hard as nails, or at least thought they were, and um, softies underneath. Um, and they got involved in all sorts of stuff that they shouldn't have done, but um, they got reported to the police at once um, because apparently one of them was carrying a knife and um, police shown up. And basically what had happened, they'd been on this field. One of them had found a feather and was tickling the other one with a feather. And someone thought it was a knife and called the police on them. They were so embarrassed. And um, this story did not get back to me via them, let me put it that way. And just got to know some of these guys, and we did some like, hey, here's how to cook, and here's how to like go to the supermarket. And, and we were sharing Jesus. They were here um, at the evening meeting for times as well, and I got to go into uh, one of their homes and meet their nan, and she was um, early 70s. She greeted me like this, put it there. I've literally never met a 70-year-old who did that, before, did that before. It was absolutely beautiful. And then um, met um, Jake's sister, Hannah, and um, we got to know her over, over time. And um, then um, I, I was with Emma by this point. We weren't, weren't married yet. But um, no, I think we were by this point, my wife, Emma. And uh, there's bingo again for you, Tom. Um, and uh, Hannah was, was with this guy, Michael, and uh, just lots of chaos going on in their lives. It's there, there is for all of us. In, in sometimes ours is called A, theirs is called B, whatever it is. There's chaos for all of us. But um, we were in, in their home, and um, just opportunity opened up to start to tell them about Jesus and some stories from the Bible. And we, um, forgive me if you don't know the story, but told them the, the story of when some friends lowered one of their mates through a roof to get him to Jesus so that Jesus could heal him and forgive their sin. And they were having like dreams that night that that was happening in their house. Hannah had to get up and go and like have a look to make sure someone wasn't like dropping into their room or something. And it got to the stage where they were just really sensing, like, maybe there's something more. And they were really enjoying being part of church. And we, we sat them down and just explained the gospel to them. And um, we used two candles and an e-cigarette. You know, two candles, man and God's e-cigarette being the, the cross, the, the, the bridge between them, Jesus bringing man and God back together. And um, we're trying to ask them, like, what, what a, a love that gives of itself so radically is like. I'll never forget their answer. They said, Love Island. I've literally never had that come up in explaining the gospel. Oh, yeah, it's like Love Island where da 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 and so, But the beautiful thing was, like, I was there when they prayed the prayer to Jesus to say, come and live in my heart. Like, what a precious moment. Now, their lives are in all sorts of difficulties still. We're still great friends with them. We're still with them. Loads of us in church still know them. They came to know Jesus. And actually, they, um, they got married. They got married in this room. Um, we organized the wedding for them. It was so much fun. Loads of people in the church kind of went out of their way to just do things for them, to put this wedding on. It was total chaos, but it was wonderful, and it delighted the heart of God. And you see, just as we start to engage with the people that we meet, the people God puts in front of us, my testimony is that God starts to tie those experiences of fun and memories and joy up into something that is more than just history, more than just a phase, but actually becomes something deeper. And my testimony would say that I love this city simply because God has given me a love through the ways that I've just sought to honor him. I love things about this city. 
I love the diversity of cultures. I love how um, affluent and non-affluent areas are right next to each other, often only divided by a road. I love how it's the regional capital in business and sport and music. I love the, the restaurant and cafe scene. And, but all, all of these things pale into, into insignificance when I realize like, the thing that I love the most in Nottingham is that God is on the move in a wonderful and powerful and beautiful way. And if you look at the church scene in Nottingham, particularly relative to its size, it is remarkable. Some of the impacts that different churches are having, the size of some of the churches, easily the biggest outside London in lots of places. You know, we've got um, churches in, in, in this city that are defining things nationally. And what a privilege to be in the same uh, city as them and, and by the grace of God to, to continue our own journey in, in planting churches into this city as well. I love that we've started up a social enterprise, Grace Enterprises, that seeks to give jobs to people that are hard to employ, where they've, they've just employed their 40th, um, 40th person. That's right, Becca, isn't it? 40th. Social media said so. We'll, we'll go with it. And um, like 40 people, the vast majority of whom would have struggled to get a job elsewhere. That's approaching a year group in a school. That's the impact that, it, that, it, that we're having. There are key Christians in, in different places, in, in local governments and healthcare, God positioning people. There is tremendous friendship amongst the churches. That's right, isn't it? Ben's, Ben's nodding, that we're genuinely we're for one another. There's projects that are reaching into some of the most kind of niche areas in this place. I'm, I'm longing for this city to be changed. Even for all that God is doing at the moment, Still, if you put all the churches together of uh, people attend on a Sunday just as one measurement, we still wouldn't get close to the number that go to Notts Forest, Nottingham Forest each week, like 30,000 or so there. And yet our God is so much better than their God. And what, the reason I'm telling you these things tonight is that there was no one moment where I decided I am a great big fan of Nottingham. Sure, I made a decision to stay, just like lots of us have got decisions about what we do with our lives. But there was a moment of realization where when we came, where our time in the north of the city, we ended up moving there and we're in the south of the city now. But when it came to an end, the realization was we're looking for God to do a reset for us within Nottingham. That actually, as, as we look back on the experiences that God has given us, as I look back on some of these fun stories that I've shared with you tonight, They've become a love for the city, as I've known that the call of God on my life is to be here and, until he calls me elsewhere or home. And, you know, sometimes we can be kind of waiting around for, like, message in the sky, like, stay in Nottingham or do this thing. And the Bible simply says, seek the welfare of the city where God has placed you. And as you do, you will find your own wholeness your own well-being. And so I just want to leave us with a gospel encouragement tonight to be salt and light, to be influenced for Jesus where we are, to get to know our neighbors, to say, God, okay, just open things up for me here, to be open to what God wants to do in us because he's on the move in this city in a wonderful and beautiful way.
He's asked us to build a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel. He's asked many of the other churches the same thing. This is what he's doing because this is what he's doing all over the world. It's his promise. We have a love for Nottingham ultimately because he first loved us and showed us what love is. And as we're present in our communities, we reflect the fact that he came down from heaven to earth to be in our midst. And as we seek for change, we reflect the facts of his relentless pursuing love that changes us to be more like him.